Welcome to the Profitable Farmer Podcast, where we share stories and tips to help you run a better farming business and create your very own freedom farm. If you're looking to work smarter and not harder in your farm business, welcome, you're in the right place. G'day everyone, welcome once again to Profitable Farmer, Hutch here. Um, I'm back from Manflu and I've got my voice back. So, Westy, thank you so much for looking after the podcast last session. And, mate, just absolutely amazing to hear four absolute champions, you included. You know, Trevor Hendy, Kane Johnson and Mark Kluwer just shoot the breeze and reflect on all things mindfulness, resilience and and growth, mate. Thanks for joining me again. Thanks for hijacking the podcast. You can hijack this podcast, mate, whenever you want, especially <laughs> if you're going to bring superstars like that to the table. What a what a special moment, mate. How was that for you? Uh, it was great fun. Thanks, Hutch, and good to uh, be on here with you, mate. And um, great to great to well be able to put another great podcast out to all our listeners. Um, it was it was amazing. Three three incredible guys, and and yeah, we got to spend that that weekend with them. Some of our platinum members and. For those of you that hadn't haven't heard, I think it's podcast number one hundred and seven. Are we on number one hundred and eight now, Hutch? That's it, mate. Perfect. So yeah, go and have a listen. It's a it's a ripper, and there's so much wisdom there. And I'm sure there'll be a follow up podcast at some stage. They've got so much to offer. Mate, a month on from that retreat, and you know, a few weeks on from that podcast. What's what's your personal key reflection? What's been your number one takeaway on that experience? Yeah, calmness. I think so. Um, like I'm still getting, there's still some amazing messages coming through from the the 15 guys that we did it with, and um, yes, <laughs> just coming off the back of that and and their awareness and and watching themselves and and coming back to calm, um, and I'm sure we'll touch on it today. But for myself personally, um, I've actually kicked coffee for for the last four weeks since uh, since doing that retreat and and just looking after myself better. Just just that reminder to, to prioritize our health and um, and our our. Like I said on the podcast, our inner hero. Yeah, great to hear, Westy. So I had a podcast lined up for this session, guys, but I've bumped it back for a few weeks because I just felt with what's playing out this season, um, there are some people who are experiencing you know, significant wet finish to this season, um, which is really challenging, especially perhaps for our croppers on flat Western country or whatever. But some of you are experiencing yeah, the impact of a minor flood event, some of you are experiencing complete wipeout, you know, and and it brings with it this crazy game that we play. It brings with it some real challenges and the challenges that we face going into a season where hay, hay making, um, harvesting, fly strike, all those things might be, you know, to the extreme. There's a lot of work ahead of a lot of us and that can be overwhelming and that can be challenging. And so given that, and, you know, in the hope that this is encouraging and supportive of our listeners who are going through your own version of adversity, I've asked Westy to join us and just reflect back on the KI fires and and what happened and what inspired him most in watching our members recover from adversity back then. But I've also asked Troy and Nettie Fisher, who are just wonderful alumni members of our Platinum Mastermind program at Farm Owners Academy to join us and just reflect also on their personal story of um, 
being wiped out by the Pinery fires back in November 2015. Seven years on, what Troy and Nettie have achieved, it's quite extraordinary and quite wonderful. And so I just also wanted to offer some hope and some encouragement to all of you that there can be brightness at the end of this. So just stay in the fight. Um, let's get through this season. Um, but in this session, um, Westy, thank you for joining us. And Troy and Nettie, great having you with us. Thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thanks, Jeremy. So, Westy, the KI fires impacted five or six or more, probably seven or eight of our um, members, plus so many other friends and families of yours. Yeah. Now, years later, three or four years later, what inspires you most about what has been achieved on KI, KI by way of recovery effort? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And and just to add to your intro there too, Hutch, I think um, it, even if you're not, like some of Australia are having a bumper year as well. So um, there's actually so many lessons that are going to come out of this podcast that will help people day to day, even just managing managing the little incidentals, that the one percenters that, um, that, that, that come up day to day, breakdowns and all those little things. It actually... Adversity is, is that is that as well to a degree. Mm. I know we're focused on the bigger stuff today, but everyone will get something from this <clears> podcast. Um, to to your question, I just want to share something that happened last night. Actually, we've been watching a series on Netflix around nat, uh, nat natural disasters. Um, and my oldest my oldest son said he's like, I'm so glad we don't have any of these natural disasters, Dad. And we were like, Can you remember two and a half years ago we had a, one of Australia's biggest bushfires that wiped wiped half the island out, if not more. And he's like, oh, yeah. Um, and it was a real interesting uh, point from him to sort of forget about that two and a half years on um, to, to realise that we, yeah, with, with the right mindset, um, you, you move on from that sort of stuff. If, if it was proof that he had sort of moved on himself and, and that most of KI has, and, and I can't speak for everyone, it has had a lot more impact for others than it has for some, um, especially especially us, but... For them, for him to say that as a, as a young kid to completely forget about that nat natural disaster that happened mm. on Kangaroo Island um, is a testament to to the school and and to the mindset and even what Farm Owners Academy has passed down down to those younger kids. But yeah, it was a pretty cool comment just to highlight just to highlight that um, with the right mindset and without playing the victim, um, if you play the victor, not the victim, you're actually going to be able to move through these things. Yeah, Westy, when you think about some of those families that we supported. Through that, you know, what have they achieved mm. two and a half, three years on? And you know, what are you most proud of about how they went about their recovery? Yeah, it's a great question. And it and and it is really interesting watching them. Um, and they have one of the one of the the key things that stood out is that they made fast decisions. <laughs> so they stocked up really quickly. They knew they knew their numbers. Um, and and to one of my points that um I think is one of the keys is is taking stock to assess your current reality and then staying disciplined to the basics. So it's easy. So many people, even, even just on the day-to-day -day stuff, if shearing or harvest, we get away from our weekly meetings, we get away from knowing our numbers, we get away from the, the, the real communication stuff, the basic stuff that we should be doing, the fundamentals in, week out. We actually need to stay disciplined to those habits that we generally do in normal times. Um, and that's what I saw in, in these guys and, and girls over here is that they, they stayed true to their habits and they made sure that they planned and they made sure that they focused. They know that they knew their numbers and they were able to make good, fast decisions. So they were stocked up so much quicker than everyone else. 
and and benchmarking their businesses one and two years on, they they were back in the mix again already. Mm. Where some of the other businesses that have sort of rebred up their stock or taking longer or doing more stuff, um, less organised, their 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 figures aren't aren't going to be their profitability is just going to take year, a lot longer to um, get that back to where it should be. Yeah, just healthy reminder to stay focused and not let the adversity distract you or overwhelm you as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and anyone that finds overwhelm, there's so much overwhelm in um in a flood or a fire or or whatever or a drought, whatever it might be, when there's so, so much extra work often. Um so when there's overwhelm, all it is is you just got to come back and be disciplined to your planning. Um and then and then put something in place. There's obviously a lot more work. How do you bring extra people in? Um, to get those, what other people do you need around you? So, yeah, staying focused on those basics is, is critical. And speed of decision-making, it's a great comment, Westy. We'll come back to some of those points and go a bit deeper into them. Troy and Nettie, would you mind just sharing what happened November 2015 and then also where are you now seven years on? Uh, I'll go first. So, so uh, yeah, that was a, a, a big bushfire event, like um, 80,000 hectare uh, size fire in, in an afternoon, um, which sort of wiped out our place and a and, um, couple hundred other properties across a number of districts. We run stud sheep um, and we um, sort of kiss goodbye to 25 years of breeding in, in about three or four hours. Um, so we, uh, after that, we were sort of... Um, presented with a bit of a blank sheet of paper of, of, you know, how to go forward, how to rebuild the property, um, do we keep breeding stud sheep, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so to some of the points Westy raised, like we um, we very early on, we, we worked out, you know, what we were going to do and um, started to set some goals, put some plans in place in different timescales, so ranging from, from how do we get through this week um, through to the next month, six months, 12 months, et cetera. Uh, and bit by bit, we, through lots of hard work and lots of help from others, we we ground our way through the first year. Um, and within two years, you know, pretty much 90% of what we set out to achieve had, had been achieved in terms of replacing stock and um, infrastructure and machines and, and so forth. Um, and sort of since then, we've probably it's putting a spring in our step is the wrong phrase. It's it's put a, um, a bit of a cattle prod up the bum, really. And so since then, we've we've sort of haven't just we haven't just stopped there. We um, we've taken on a couple of other lease farms and sort of tripled the area we farm um, since before the fire. We've doubled our stud size, so we're selling double the number of rams now. We've really sort of taken on a a, a growth phase. Um, and and I guess you know we're not finished yet. It was sort of um, yeah, we we have five and ten year goals, and and um, they project further than where we are now. So um, that's sort of a bit of a summary of a little snippet of, of you know where we found ourselves about seven years ago, and and um, some of the bits of how we transitioned to where we are now. I'm sure Nettie can elaborate a bit more. Yeah, it's a remarkable yes. it's a remarkable story. Troy, just to the, you know, when you look back at what you guys have achieved over the last six and seven years, it is, it is incredible and something to be really proud of. Nettie, how do you reflect on where you are looking back now on what's played out since those fires? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty crazy time. And um, uh, to be honest, now um, we don't think about it that much. Um, it's not a big part of our lives. It's definitely a part of our story and who we are, and that will never change. Um, and so I guess you just, um, you all know, like from the very start, we just, um, uh, you know, after the fire had gone, we, you know, we because we both have worked off farm and, you know, we could have got jobs elsewhere or, you know, done something different. And we both just sort of sat down together and, and decided, no, this is farming is what we love. Breeding stud sheep is what we love. So we're just deciding we're going to recover. We're going to, you know, we're going to do this. And so once you make that decision and own it and then just make some plans around it, well, the rest is, I'm not saying it's easy, but, yeah, you just you just rip into it and, and do it. And, um, yeah, yeah, I guess we just feel proud and feel like we can handle anything now. Um, yeah, there's, um, uh, yeah, just, yeah enjoying the journey so Nettie that was my next question for you is do you feel like having handled that that you're more equipped now to handle an adversity in the future than you were yeah I think so because you just don't know what's going to happen next and you don't know the opportunities that are going to come your way um and um yeah just that I guess a bit of a mantra that everything will be okay you just have to believe it um because yeah yeah we've got through a pretty major event and and not only are we fine we're you know doing really well so um yeah you just got to back yourself I suppose. Troy is there anything in your current reality now that wouldn't have happened on the farm if it hadn't been for the for the fires. Oh, I think I think a, uh, potentially a lot of the expansion we've undertaken might not have happened. We we might have just stuck with the status quo. This is a major disruption to life, business, the whole operation, and it and it probably made us ask some uh, more poignant questions, um, which. which I guess led us to to where we are now. So, uh, yeah, um, I suspect if if this didn't happen to us, the status quo would be very close to where we are now. Which which um, uh, that was fine, but but we're you know we we've grown a lot and we're we're running a, a bigger and better business now than we ever have been. So um, I'm glad you know uh, I'm not not to say we're, we're glad. Um, it happened, but um, some, sometimes a, a really horrible catalyst can turn into a positive thing, and, and that's certainly the case for us. Yeah, I've talked, I've, I've talked before in these podcasts about post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic growth. And so when, we're, when there is a trauma or an adversity that we've got a choice or not about either going into decline or going exponential on the other side of adversity some people need to lose their legs before they climb Everest you know there's post-traumatic growth as well and I think what you guys have achieved is that you had that adversity Westy like those people you spoke about on KI and they made some choices did some reflection stayed in that attitude of ownership that you spoke about Nettie um, 
and then went after recovery that in and of itself has achieved exponential growth for, for so many people. And I think Westy, Troy and Nettie are just such a great example of that, aren't they? Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, it's been been a pleasure to, to uh, meet these guys back in 2015 or 16 and um, and and watch their sort of journey and, yeah, some of the decisions and uh, their ambition, I suppose, that come off the back of that. And, yeah, I think adversity is actually a platform to to project forward if if you t- if you have that mindset and look at it that way. Mm. Yep. Yep. Thanks, Westy. So, Troy, would you mind just giving us a bit of an overview of Ashmore Rams and your business model and your business now? Sure. Is this a paid, um, so, so, is this a paid advert plug, Hutch? This is, this is the paid plug. Go your hardest. <laughs> no, uh, so we're a, a seed stock and grain business. Um, we're based in the mid-north of South Australia. Uh, currently, we um, breed white Suffolk and ultra-white rams. Uh, we breed and sell around 500 rams per annum, um, and they go across all parts of South Australia, uh, Victoria and New South Wales. Um, uh, alongside that, we we um, we run a grain business um, where we grow wheat and lentils and a little bit of barley, um, and that's all you know, pretty high end sort of grain destined for the for the food industry. Um, uh, yeah, chime in, Nettie. <laughs> um, no, I think you've covered it pretty well. Yeah. So in the the, the, the ram sale business, how how many more rams are you selling now compared to seven years ago? Uh, about double. So, um, yeah, it was sort of running five or 600 years back then and and um, selling sort of 250 rams a year. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, we've basically doubled the size of our ewe flock. Uh, we're sort of joining closer to 1,200 years now and, um, yeah, selling around that 500 rams per annum. Um, and yeah, I guess we've just got a just got a goal to steadily grow that. If we can grow that by ten percent per annum, that's what we've been doing for a, a number of years now. And um, uh, yeah, we've got Troy. Troy uh, just um, on, just just on that, how, how like you lost all your your twenty five years of genetics in that fire, and now you're only seven years on. Your genetics, I'm assuming, are a lot better than what they were seven years ago. How, how did how did you? What, what decisions did you make to to um, move forward so quickly? Oh, uh, yeah. So that, um, I guess we had, it's all about choices. We, we had choices. We could have bought people's cows and people's bottoms and started 10 years behind everyone else. Um, but we chose not to do that. Um, so I approached some of the leading breeders across the country and acquired um, some of their elite females to, to, to flush embryos out of. Um, we also purchased um, pregnant ewes and um, dry ewes that we joined and we did a lot of artificial breeding in, in the first couple of years um, and so yeah for better or worse we set ourselves the goal to, to not go backwards in numbers and not go backwards in genetic merit and we because we set those goals and we're pretty stubborn um, we, we we hit them we hit them in year one uh, uh, and we've just sort of been steaming along ever since. Genetic merit continues to climb and um, the numbers has continued to climb. So uh, probably probably boils down to choices and and uh, just 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 digging in and, and really focusing on the goal, I guess. 
Oh, we did have one little bit of help on the way too. When we when we're sort of work, trying to work out um, how to go about it, we went. We just needed a break from cooking, and we went to the local pub. And there was um, there was actually a stock agent there who um, had been drinking a fair bit, and they said, "Oh, geez, what are you guys going to do after you know now? Like this is going to set you back ten years." And we thought, "Oh, wow! If he's thinking that." everybody's thinking that and that that's just that can't happen we're not just going to take a, you know we're not going to go backwards by 10 years it was like red rag to a bull so we really owe him a favor who shall remain nameless but um you know that really um uh, motivated us to just go no that's not going to happen we're going to get back in business and keep doing what we love to do Nettie, i think you raise a really really important point about be careful who you're surrounding yourself with when you're sort of trying to recover or whether you're going through overwhelm and adversity. If you surround yourself in people who are going to collude with you in the negative, you might get caught up making poor choices and poor decisions. But if you get the right people around you, um, advisors, friends, peers who have that positive and growth mindset, then you're far more um, likely to ask better questions, make better decisions, and to your point, you know, implement on better choices, Troy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been touched on already, but but we had we had a choice on how we reacted to what happened. Um, what happened was out of our control, but how we react is in our control. And so we could have turned to the negative and. That's a complete justification for, well, our business is falling over. We're going backwards. We'll never get back on our feet. Or we could have chosen to turn it into a positive, which is what we did, um, and use that as a motivation to propel ourselves, um, you know, higher, yeah, further and better than than we were before. Um, And so that's that one thing that is in our control that we, we, I guess, took took a bit of ownership of and, um, and here we are. Troy, what would um, or how does the future look for you guys now? If you look forward over your next five and seven and ten years, how does the future look for you now? Uh, it's really bright. Um, you know, on the back of two two really good seasons, this one included Touchwood. Um, you know, things are things are super um, uh, positive. Um, uh, pretty much all commodities are, are traveling well and and um, so so business is going really well but um, um, you know with, with that backdrop um, but yeah we've, we've set ourselves some some future growth goals in terms of um, area farmed and number of rounds bred so um, yeah we're, we're continuing to um, certainly grow the, the ultra white side of our business there's this huge demand in shedding sheep. Um, over the past few years and, um, you know, the market talks, so we're sort of trying to respond to that. Um, uh, but, yeah, uh, in the next five to ten years, our eldest kids might start to think about farming and so a lot of our goals are around setting up a, a business which, um, uh, you know, is attractive enough for them to, to want to get involved and, um you know, interesting and um, there's enough going on that, that that they see that as a viable career choice as opposed to um, some of the other professions out there. So, 
Um, that's mm. sort of part of our pathway without getting into the nitty-gritty. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that um, maybe was holding us back, you know, prior to the fire, like we had some pretty outdated machinery um, and infrastructure and um, and it sort of from a mindset perspective, it it does sort of hold you back. Oh, we can't do that because our truck's not big enough. Oh, we can't sew that paddock in time. You know, things like that. And because we lost, you know, the vast majority of our machinery, we weren't just going to replace it with the old gear that we had. We we sort of bought fit for purpose um, things. Not all of it was new and not all of it was expensive. Like we, we, we bought a precision cedar that really suits our business. That was a game changer for us. Um, and then, yeah, we bought a $40,000 truck and got a $20,000 stock crate made for it and we well, we can deliver rams now. And just that tiny little investment and just that change of, well, we can do that now. And then all of a sudden, you know, someone called in from Victoria and said, oh, do you deliver? And we thought, oh, well, we can now, you know. Mm. Um, so sometimes it's just those little things like certain um uh, machinery that you have in your business that's actually holding you back and um yeah and so we I guess we carry that forward like we weren't really big into cropping and um we bought machinery that we didn't know how to drive and it was pretty scary at first and thought well it's not you know we just have to learn how to use it and, and now we have and we think well if we can do that we can do anything else we want to do. So Nettie how does the future look for you? Oh, probably, yeah, pretty aligned with Troy's, I hope. Uh, <laughs> no, um, yeah, we just, um, well, I think we need to be conscious to have a work-life balance. Like we've probably become addicted to working a bit and, um, you know, you have to, you know, uh, have time off as well. So we, yeah, we um, uh, um, uh, bought a little sh- a little beach house at Port Elliot a couple of years ago and forced ourselves to go down there and we love it like it's a happy place and um yeah so we you know we have to be disciplined to make sure that we um uh, rest as well as work but um yeah I'd be happy to carry on as we are now I guess and yeah hopefully some of the kids want to be involved and you know um yeah so three girls is Isabel Indigo and Elkie, and it sounds like you've got at least a couple of them expressing interest in coming home, guys. Well, it's early days. It's early days, but um, yeah, I, I, I guess like with any business, you, you don't want to you don't want to make things too easy, but you want to make it attractive enough that they want to come. And so that's a that's a bit of a balancing act, I suppose. Mm. Um, uh, you know, we see businesses where the next generation waltz in and it's all shiny bells and whistles everything and and that doesn't go so well for for a little while um we've had to sort of grind tooth and nail to get to get ahead and um i guess you yeah somehow you've got to instill that hunger in your in your children and um you know that appetite to 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 um to be successful i suppose so yeah. so that's a challenge i guess um that we that we think about and work on and um, hopefully we get it partly right. Thanks, guys. Westy, I want you to give a shout-out and name drop a couple of those people on KI who you just might acknowledge for a moment about their success 
mm. post KI fires? Who are some of those families that you just reflect on? Just, yeah. just give me a shout out. I'm going to miss miss a couple, so I apologise. But um, Tim Tim Buck the, and yeah. the Buck the Buck family just absolutely just ripped in and and got everything uh, better than what it ever was before. Um, back in full production really quickly. Um, the the Gregors, um, same thing. Uh, Rick Morris, Andy Morris, the Morrises down further down west. The Davises that were the very first farm against Flinders Chase that that got burnt. Um, Simons. Uh, Simons's, yeah, John and Joe and, and Hannah and Brian Simons, just yeah, like same thing as, as Troy and Nettie. They lost so much of their uh their stud flock. Um, but yet they just yeah, they they use that adversity to um to propel themselves forward. Thanks, mate. So I guess the reason I wanted to have you the three of you on this podcast, I've got a couple of questions for you. I'm gonna get each of you to respond to this. Troy, if you could go first on reflection. Is there a silver lining to come from the adversity that you experienced? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think the silver lining is the is the um, the propulsion that we've experienced as a result of this horrible uh, thing that happened. Um, and if it didn't happen, um, we probably wouldn't have grown our business. And and, and like I said earlier. Probably still be just dealing with the status quo and 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 battling away on a much smaller scale and um, scratching our heads how to how to how to buy the paddock next door type thing. So I think the silver lining for me is just the change um, that this forced us to think about and then plan for and and execute. Um, that's been been massive, really. Mm. Nettie, for you. <laughs> Probably, um, yeah, similar to Troy, but also I guess the confidence we have within ourselves. Um, it's not like we were overly confident people and thought we could do anything, but, yeah, we've, we have what we've, I guess, been able to manage the last few years. Um, yeah, it just gives you an inner confidence, I suppose, that you can get through, you know, you get through to the other side and you keep going. Westy, what's your take on that question? Is there a silver lining to come from that sort of adversity? Absolutely. I think the I think the important thing to to actually get in a silver lining is having faith that there is a silver lining. And we and we we don't when we're in it, when we're in the trenches, we can't actually see outside of them. But I reckon faith is a huge part of of knowing that there's something good and there's an opportunity out of this. We don't know what it is yet, um, and pushing through. But but for me, the first one that actually comes to my mind is community. Like there's nothing like uh, a natural disaster to bring your community together. Um, absolutely, can it can pull it apart as well. But everyone has to stand up and, and fight and, and team up. And I met so many great people in our community that actually, funnily enough, um, haven't even met before um, in, in a small community. So that, that was mm. one of them. Um, if I was to ask a bunch of the other farmers around here, um, silver linings like they've they've, they've reaped. But ch- change creates change. So like like Troy and Nettie said, they'd still probably have some of their old machinery that still sort of be just poking along how they were um but change creates an um an opportunity and a, and a new blank piece of paper and so many people on, on kangaroo island have been able to build new new sheep yards new shearing sheds new infrastructure, new fencing um vermin is a huge issue over here with the, with the wallabies and the kangaroos so for them they've been able to put up vermin proof fencing um and and have a real clean slate so there's so many so many um 
silver linings right right across the board. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's obviously the little things that um, still impact people as well, mm. the emotional stuff. And I know that there's there is a lot of people still going through that. And actually, some of the science and, and psychology that comes out is that two or three, even four years on, that's is when the biggest impact is mentally, um, because it's sort of you, you're working, you're pushing so hard to get through it and rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. Then all of a sudden, you stop a little bit. So um, yeah, there's still, still all that side of thing, but so many silver linings. But yeah, as, as long as you actually believe that they're there somewhere and and you keep your eyes open for them. Yeah, great point, Westy. Thank you. So looping back round, Troy, what would you say to um, any one of a number of farmers out there that have had just the most ridiculously wet season, crops, some or most underwater, trying to wrestle with how to even contemplate hay carding or harvest um, after having to rely on aerial spraying. And, you know, we've, we're, in a, we're in a season where people have thrown the book at a big crop and now they're looking like not being able to um, harvest the fruit. What would you say to them um, about? the overwhelm and you know the challenge that they're feeling and facing that might help them get through yeah i mean what to to put in the most expensive crop on record and then to have it slip through your fingers is is brutal and devastating and most of which is out of your control um so i would probably advise people to think about what can i control and one that's really important um at a time like that is your finance. So obviously income's going to be down, harvest income's going to be way down. Um, so really start to hone in on the financial side of your business and, um, you know, just just uh, focus on that like a hawk in terms of expenditure and um, uh, just knowing where every dollar's going and, um, you know, modelling out three, three and five-year cash flows and, and that, that will hopefully give you some light at the end of the tunnel um, that everything's going to be okay, that the next 12 months will definitely be um, a big grind, but um, that's something is in your control and, and um, can potentially give you, um, yeah, just just it's just one thing that you, 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 you can control to some extent. Yeah, not doing that for... Yeah. Sorry, my audio is not great. My apologies. Not doing that forecasting, you would be sitting here just worrying about, you know, the potential loss. But if you can predict the loss and then even predict predict your peak debt next year and the year after and identify that there is a way forward, um, mm. that's incredibly empowering. And so I'll, I'll, you know, it's a really, really significant comment. Nettie, what would your comment be to someone sort of feeling their own version of adversity and overwhelm right now? Um, well, just I suppose to generalise about a family farm, I'll talk to that, I suppose, but which is a lot of them. Um, uh, I guess it's really important for all the members within that business, like just don't forget that you're all a team, you're all on the same side. So, you know, emotions can be um, or everyone can vary, but um uh, you do have to be pretty tolerant of each other. Like there were certain times when Troy and I were probably not particularly nice to each other, but you've got to just remember that, you know, you're on the same side, you're in it together. If you're committing to staying being farmers, we'll really commit and commit to each other. Like no farm is more important than your family. That's number one. 
um, but also, you know, work together, keep communicating and be really um, conscious of perhaps the different um, uh, generations. So the way we processed our event was very different to Troy's parents. Um, and in some ways they took it harder and we're at a much different stage of life. So, you know, it found, found it in some ways harder to deal with. So you just have to be really um, conscious of that and give them time to sort of um, process it and also, you know, not get dragged down by negativity if that's what, you know, you're facing. But, um, yeah, stay married and work together and, you know, make sure you look after your kids and, um yeah, and obviously, yeah, the finance side of it, you just have to, you know, really be on top of that and talk early with your bank. Like don't just give them a surprise once you run out of money, like get ahead of the game and, yep, those two things, I'd say. Nettie, are there any little things, are there any little things that you did that helped you and Troy stay strong together or your family stay as that united team? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, one thing that happened to us before the fire, which actually gave us this massive sort of, in some ways, it gave us this massive um, perspective before. So we had a, our third daughter was accidentally born in Queensland, um, severely premature, and um, uh, she was not really supposed to live and um yeah, well, not for all of the three months, but spent three months in hospital sort of fighting for her life and nearly went blind and kidneys nearly shut down, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, so we, she actually came home a day and a half before the fire. Um, and um, so for us, we already had this perspective that, you know, um, the most important thing in life is um, your family and your children and um, everything else will, you know, yeah, that's that's the your number one priority, I suppose. So. Great but comment. Probably not a little thing. Sorry. No, that's <laughs> but 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 I, I wondered if it was going to come up today. You know, when we're in adversity, one of the hardest things to do is keep perspective. And you had perspective provided to you, Nettie, in a way because of that first adversity that you had to navigate as a family before the fire, um, you know, so I, I think it's so important when we're in overwhelm and when we're feeling really challenged and we've got a mountain of work ahead of us and there's, there's you know, all of that going on, how is it that we can keep perspective? And the reason I wanted to have the three of you on this podcast is just, you know, to offer that little snippet of insight to our listeners that if you are feeling adverse and you are feeling challenged and you are feeling overwhelmed, find a way to take the highest perspective possible and just, like as Troy said, know your numbers, project forward. All of these things help you keep perspective that you might be in the heat of battle now, but there will be brightness of the future. And in fact, things can be better as a result of this adversity than they have been if you're just willing to lean in, trust the process, have faith, as you say, Westy, and um, and move forward, you know, with a sense of ownership and a growth mindset. Westy, what's your response to that yeah. question? What would your advice oh. be to someone going through their own version of real challenge at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. I think Troy and Nettie nailed it with perspective. Um, 
I was just finished reading Sam Bailey's book, Head Over, uh, is it Head Over Hills? Um, the Quadriplegic Farmer mm. from, uh, from Cropper Creek. And he sums it up all through the book so well. But um, it's it, what really matters at the end of the day. Is it the crop or the, the olives that aren't flowering or, or whatever agro business that agri business that you're in at the moment isn't working for you or whatever adversity that you're going through? What, what, it, what really matters at the end of the day is, is faith, family and friends. Um, so we, we need to have perspective on, on that first and foremost. Um, someone is always doing it off, uh, w- worse off than us. Um, and sometimes we just lose, lose perspective of what actually really matters. Trevor Handy actually says, um, and we'll share this a bit across the community hutch, like the conditions are always perfect. And if you realize that the conditions are always perfect, you actually see life from a different perspective. Um, I've just got a little quote here that actually came to me yesterday. But the funny thing about life is once you begin to take note of the, the things that you're grateful for, you actually begin to lose sight of the things that you lack. And at the moment, through adversity, we might be looking at the crop that we've lost um, or the fencing that we've lost in a fire or the stock that we've lost, whatever it is. We're, act, we're always looking at what we've lost, even in day-to-day stuff. We might look at the the breakdown that we had and we've lost three hours worth of work because we had to drive into town and get apart. We're always looking at what we've lost. We're never actually looking at what we've got. And most of us, we can't complain with what we've got. It's five, 10, 15, $50 million worth of assets under our belt. We've generally, most of us have got family or the opportunity um, to create family and friends and, and all that sort of stuff. So just finding gratitude is is probably my biggest piece of advice. And, and that just brings that, um, brings calm and to, to Troy's point around the numbers and all that sort of thing, it's just about being being proactive versus reactive because proactive is calmness um, and and fast decision and better decision-making. Reactive is chaos and we don't want yeah. to be in that chaos because if you're in a chaos mode, that's when relationships start to break down um, and things just don't go, don't go so well. Thanks, Westy. Your comments remind me of the Resilience Project and Hugh Van Kylenberg. And for those of you that haven't read the Resilience Project book or you're not listening to Hugh Van Kylenberg's podcast, I recommend it highly. You listen to um, the Richmond Football Club and how they've transformed themselves. And if you look at the Australian Rugby League Club now, and that whole code has come out of real challenge. Um, Hugh Van Kylenberg and his team have worked intently with a whole lot of schools and unis and corporates, but in particular, those two sporting teams. And when you hear their players talk after a game, all you hear them saying now is, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity. I'm so grateful for my players. I'm so grateful for my coach. I'm so grateful you know, for the crowd. He's instilling a narrative and a mindset of gratitude in these clubs and these corporates and these schools and these teams and everything can change when you focus on the good and what you have rather than the lack and what you don't have westy and i think it's such an important point and so it's through gratitude that we can find a sense of calm and find a higher perspective and then be in a better mindset than we were i think to start looking at our numbers asking better questions, to Troy's point, making better choices. We can then get into faster decision-making. We can get into better planning. We can get into more respectful conversations with our family and our team, to Nettie's point. But I take your point completely, Westy, that 
if we can just in adversity stop and go, well, I've got both my arms, I've got both my legs, I've got eyes, I've got all my fingers, my family are okay. Um, I might not have X, Y, and Z, but here's what I do have. That can shift our mindset from scarcity and lack to, you know, abundance and growth. And, you know, what we're hearing in what Troy and Nettie are saying is they just chose ownership, they chose gratitude, they chose perspective, and then they move forward. And the rest, as they say, is history. So I love your comment there, Westy, that it starts with gratitude, but that then does allow for the calm perspective, strategy, thinking, better questions, better answers, better choices, better actions. So yeah. wonderful comment. And just, just on that, Hutch, I think every day-to-day, it's a great tool to have in your belt day-to-day. I was recently um, at a farm, visiting at a farm, and, and they were in the sheep yards weaning lambs. There was swear words going on at the sheep. There was swear words going on at the dogs. There was frustration. There was, there was negative body language. There was absolutely no excuses, I don't believe, in, to, to have any of that. Like, how lucky are, are they to be in the sheep yards having livestock and the opportunity to sell great fat lambs? And, but it's just getting stuck on the small the small mindset. Um, so to have that in your toolkit day in, day out, the kids might be too noisy in the house. How great, how, how much gratitude do you have to actually have kids or whatever mm. it is? Like we, we mm. get stuck on those little things that we shouldn't day in, day out. And 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 to Sam Bailey's point, I, I finished the last last page last night in, in his book and he pretty much summed it up. Um someone asked him if if they could fix spinal cord injuries, would he would he would he take it? And he said no, because the opportunities that becoming quadriplegia has given him. He, he travels Australia speaking to people and helping other people get through adversity. So he wouldn't have it any other way. And when you look at life like that, it's yeah, a, a breakdown, a breakdown for, follows a, a breakthrough, always follows a breakdown if you if you allow it. Um, and I'm sure everyone's heard it before as well, but a butterfly um was once uh larvae or or in a cocoon before it flies in the and everyone's got it in them, just gotta go and find it. Roy and Nettie, would you have had it any other way on reflection? Oh, look, um, uh, if you could have told me where, where we would be now, seven years hence, I'd, I'd sign up to that and, and go through what we went through, for sure. Um, but just to give you a little snippet, when we joined farm owners, we were... Um, probably the bottom of the class in terms of the no, benchmark. we were like really the bottom. In terms of the benchmarking side of things, <laughs> we, we, we weren't running a profitable business. Um, we lacked scale um, and a few other things. Um, and, and in this last um, year of benchmarking in the in the alumni, we're, we're at the top of the class. Yeah, and superstars. So, yep. Yeah. So, um, and we're really proud of that. We've worked hard and, and we've had a lot of help from the farm owners team. But um, I guess... All of these things come together and, and have happened at different points in time for a reason to create the outcome that we're where we are now. And so, um, uh, and our overall farm, you know, our fences are as good as they've ever been. Our machines are tenfold better than they were. We've got more sheep. So, um, would I go back? Absolutely not. No, no. I think uh, I think I'd sign up for for the journey we've had over the last seven years, even with the horrible event. Mm. Fascinating comment, Maddie, for you. Uh, yeah, no, the same as Troy, really. Yeah, it, um, uh, you know, it was a horrible time and, um, uh, you know, 
yeah, it was not good for you or your neighbours and everyone in the district. But, um, yeah, I think, Wesley, you're right. Like the community is stronger because of it. And so that's a good outcome too. And, yeah, you within yourself are stronger. So, I mean, absolutely, I wouldn't go back to what where we were <laughs> before the fire. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I want to round this out just by thanking you all sincerely for jumping onto this podcast at such short notice and sharing your reflection on um, your journey post-adversity. Um, I do want to acknowledge those people in our community who have been through that and have bounced back because it inspires everyone in your community and everyone in our community when um, when you do make that significant growth post-challenge. So well done to you all. Thank you so much for your time, Troy and Nettie. Thanks, Hutch. Appreciate the opportunity. Our any, pleasure. Any final comments, guys, to round hey, this out? Hutch, I just want to quickly, sorry, just to jump in. Um, the Bush family actually from uh, the Mid-North bought, bought a property over here not long before the fire too and just reflecting back on on what they were able to do from absentee farmers, the, the amount of work that they put in on KI um, mm. as well and got their place back up and running as well, which was a testament to them too. So I just wanted yeah, to acknowledge perfect. them. Good on you, mate. Troy and Nettie, any final comments? Oh, I guess we just... Um... Yeah, for for anyone listening that's, you know, really, in, you know, um, having massive crop losses and having trouble with livestock, just hang in there. Um, just it is going to be better and um, perhaps, you know, it is important that you have to let go that the crop that you hoped you were going to have, it's, you know, not going to happen now, but you just don't know what's around the corner and what will happen next year. Everything will be okay. What a perfect way to finish. Thanks, Nettie. Uh, Westy, a, a final comment from you? Yeah, absolutely, Hutch. Um, I was speaking to a farmer not long ago who was flood affected and he actually put a lot of pressure on himself. Um, he felt he felt that he'd failed his family because his crops were failing and he wasn't bringing the cash in this year. Um, if you speak to his, his wife and his kids, they would, not, they would absolutely not see him as a failure because it rained too much. Um, so we need to take that pressure off ourselves. Um, in, in the farming industry and and yeah my, my final comment is just just get excited um rip in feel feel it like absolutely grieve the process if you need to um feel those emotions allow yourself to be down but don't play that don't be the victim be the victor and and get up and and take this as an opportunity and come flying out the other end we don't you, you look at 20 30 depends on how old everyone is listening but when you're in your last days you're not going to look back and um and think about whatever this little thing might be um affecting you it's 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 generally um unless it's a personal thing and a personal tragedy then we can all move through it and drop in the ocean Croy, Nettie, Westy, as always great to spend some time with you thank you so much for your time thank you thank you thanks so there you have it guys that conversation with Troy and Nettie and Westy went exactly where I hoped it would and more you know if you are feeling challenged and overwhelmed right now, like so many in our industry are, just a reminder to stop, find some gratitude in your current reality. Know that your identity isn't your income or your bank balance. That's not who you are. And so if you don't get the results that you thought you might, that's no reflection on you as a parent or you as a business person, um, through that gratitude, find some calm, 
take some perspective and then turn your attention to the things that you can control. Your numbers, your budgeting, your forecasting, proactive conversations with your suppliers and your banks and your creditors, fast decisions, better questions, better planning. To Nettie's point right at the start, get the right people around you so that you've got the support you need to make better and faster decisions. And then within your family and team, be kind to each other, be supportive of each other, be respectful so that you can get through this. I hope that in this conversation um, and while you're in the thick of battle that you get a sense of what Troy and Nettie have achieved seven years on from their adversity. That's true for everyone here as well, you know. So keep that perspective and know that there is silver lining. There is brightness in your future on the other side of this adversity. So to Westy's point, just do what you need to do to get through but I hope this podcast offers some hope and some inspiration for you that there is brightness at the end of this tunnel. To Troy and Nettie and Ashmore Rams, you now stand as one of the pinup genetic providers into the sheep industry. And, you know, for those of you looking for better genetics and better solutions, I can't recommend Ashmore Rams highly enough. Some of the best producers in um, our country call on their genetics and so that is ashmore rams for those of you interested troy netty thank you sincerely westy as always really love having you part of profitable farmer to all of you all the best for the rest of this challenging season take care be kind and bye for now Thanks for listening to another episode of the Profitable Farmer podcast by Farm Owners Academy. If you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a long-time listener, let your friends know about us or come continue the conversation in the Profitable Farmer Facebook group. All the best as you grow your business and create your freedom farm. Until next time, keep being incredible.